Hey, welcome to Grace Free Church. Uh, that worship song just sets the tone for the message today, which I'm so thankful for. But if we look at, I mean, we're, we're just so much closer. Let me be the bearer of good news. We are so much closer than we think to 2020 being over. Can you remember a time of actually going to the store and getting everything that you needed? It's not that it's adequately stocked. It's adequately stocked for about an hour till you could actually find everything or you're leaving that store without one, two, or multiple things and some things you absolutely need. Or the other one is like, do, do you remember a time when we actually can say hello with a smile? And now we're left to reading people's squinty eyeballs to, behind their masks to know, are they saying hello back? Are they actually acknowledging me or do they have something in their eye? But even, do you remember a time when when we had a year without so much change, without so much unknown, that we needed to field, how do we move on from this? How do, we, how do we see this? But when we look back, when we remember, we can have powerful emotional, emotional responses when we think about just the way things used to be, the way things used, what they used to be like. We could be sad of, what once was, or what, like I said, what things were like, if we look at friendships, what was that friendship look like before, now? What was that like? Do I even have that friendship? Did we grow apart? The people that even passed before us, family members, friends, or if we look at even our kids, our, our kids' graduation, maybe our kid graduated from preschool, is moving into uh, the, the next step in their education, or you have a kid that's graduating high school in a much weightier, different way to reflect on how they got to that point, and now they're moving into post-secondary education, or a trade school, or college, or even getting into the workforce. We're happy and excited about some of these things. We can have happy tears, that we're so happy looking back, but it's, but, but it's in a sad it's a, a sad way. It could be when you got married, that next day is just, it's different. You're now with someone else for the rest of your life. Or when you moved from a house that you've built such a foundation, and, and, and when you move out of that house, it feels like you're, you're leaving a piece of you. But there's other things that can make you remember. Something as simple as just the smell smell of a candle, the smell of a room, the perfume of a person, or even a paint color, or a piece of furniture like, like the kitchen table, how so many things are just go on around the kitchen table, or maybe that's where your workspace has been since the beginning of this year. But a lot of times, how we fondly remember those stories, it depends on how it ended. Back in the day, uh, my friends and I, we were big supporters of the, the volleyball team. One, because we really liked volleyball, and, and secondly, because there was uh, some certain young women that uh, we had our eyes on, one of them being my, my now wife, my, my now wife Joy, who um, is pretty amazing. And we actually decided, Let, let's go to this away game. Let's go, let's go check this out. Let's go support. And... <laughs> As far as a, a bunch of rowdy high school boys, wrestlers, most of, most of them nonetheless, we go out, 
we're, we're carrying on, we're, we're cheering, we're yelling, we're supporting the team, and here we, we leave the game and we go out to the car. There was five of us. We go out to the car. As we're getting in the car, some other kid comes up and puts a gun right in front of me into my, in, in, into my friend's ribs. And we're at a point where there's all this what if going on, or what can I do? What if I, what if I grab the gun? What if I push the guy out of the way? And what he wanted, he said, he came up to us and he goes, you guys, you guys were pretty loud in there. You were disrespecting my peeps. Oh, peeps, that was back when it was actually cool and new to say that, but um, again, this was 24 years ago. And it is interesting the what-ifs that started going through my mind. Well, what if, what if I just give him my money? My brother was along with us. You know, like, what if, what if something really goes wrong? What if, what if this, whatever happens here goes in, into a trajectory that changes my family, my future, my future impact in the surrounding people that I have? And what I realized and what I learned it was I was closer than I thought to losing my brother. I was closer than I thought to losing a friend. I was closer than I thought than, than the guy asking for the money, losing the, 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 well, actually, probably two bucks in my pocket. I don't know if I even had any money. But the good news is it ended well. They caught the guy. So it's a, a little more humorous to look at that because with it being a, a group of wrestlers, I figured that he probably felt he needed a bit more of an equalizer to bring a gun. Now, if we were a bunch of soccer players, man, he, that was 20 bucks was easy pickings. They would have just fallen over and gave it up and coughed it up pretty easily, probably in a very dramatic way. Um, but letting go of what once was is always a hard lesson to let go and have more of a concern of how do we move forward and what is forward. Now, remembering the past, it, it shouldn't be excruciating. It shouldn't be, it shouldn't be crushing. It shouldn't be defeating. But regardless of how devastating it is or overwhelming or how humiliating, it's all part of our story. It's all part of our story to where we're at right now. God's in the business of victorious endings victorious stories, more from the come-behind, victorious, at-the-end stories, largely in part because of our lack to, to accept help or my, my inability to accept His help. But seeing the past and remembering your past to this point is important to get to, to move forward. It's important to be able to focus your energy, to keep focused, to focus your energy on what matters the most, to give thanks to those that are around us, knowing that there's someone impacting our lives a little bit more than when, when we keep it under our control, to be able to see our transformation. We remember just to see how far we've come, to, how, to see how far we are, and we're closer than we think to that next step. We're the next chapter closing in our story. And now we're a few minutes past and closer to 2020 ending. So let's pray. Father God, we know that you're good. We know that 
you can work in our lives. You give us the tools that we need. But we need to remember, but not sit there. We need to remember to learn, to move forward, to move past it. But God, we need your help right now. Keep me out of the way. Let my words just speak wisdom. And God, correct us where we need it and help us to remember how good you are and your love for us. Jesus, we pray this in your name. Amen. God's people had a past that was worth remembering. They have a long, long, rich history of where God moved the entire way. He put places and circumstance and put the people where he needed to keep his promise with his people. See, he created a nation starting with Abraham, and he delivered through the descendants of Abraham to the point where they were in bondage and they were in slavery, and he wanted to deliver them and rescue them out of there and build his promise to Moses to put them in the promised land to live and to prosper. And in essence, what God said is, I I will love you, and I do love you. I love you with everything that I have. But the nation's response was to be faithful to him. But that's the hard part. The hard part is the being faithful part. You see, the nation was continually caught up in their, in their circumstances. They ended up worshiping everyone, everything, but the one who rescued them. And they wanted to return back to the slavery that they were in, back to the oppression, back to the dif- difficult circumstances, because where they were at, for their lack of remembering, they didn't remember what it was like before. They just knew that they didn't like where they were at right now. And throughout the entire Old Testament, and even all the way through the New Testament, God's people were constantly told to remember as they were veering away from God. And some of the Old Testament prophets, they were, their job was to bring the word of judgment, it was to bring the word of hope to God's people and provide God's direction to His people to move forward. And, he, and they would constantly say, remember you were brought out of Egypt, remember how you escaped Egypt, remember the miraculous stories, the miraculous wonders that I did, that God did to bring them out of there. And we got to remember, even after, after everything is done, as our story is ongoing, that our story starts way before our time. Things are set in place to set a ground, to, set, to have a fertile ground that makes your story to start with the first step. You see, the, the, the history of God's people, the, 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 the Jewish people, the, the Hebrews of the, the nation of Israel, it all started with Abraham. Abraham was being communicated by God. He was, God was speaking to him to say, yes, you have no family now, but go out, look at the stars, count them, count how many there are. That's how big I'm going to make your descendants. That's how many people are going to be in the nation of the people that I love. And through Abraham's descendants, through, from Abraham to Isaac, from Isaac 
to his son Jacob, to Jacob and his son Joseph, through the, the lineage of that time, Joseph eventually, through a series of events, becomes the highest deputy in Egypt, next to the Pharaoh, in control of all of Egypt. And their people just flourished and grew and grew and grew. A period of time passes until a king, another Pharaoh was in place that was threatened by the nation of Israel. So much so that he demanded all the firstborn males, the born males be set into the river so they could be killed. Enter Moses. Moses is one of these, child, one of these children. Moses was sent, floated down the river, and of all people, through God's providence, who picks up Moses is Pharaoh's own daughter and raises him as an Egyptian. So he's raised on his Egyptian, and it says up until about the age of 40, he, it all started when Moses, he stepped out of the palace. He stepped out of the palace, leaving his identity as, a, as an Egyptian behind, and he stepped into being identified and his new identity as a Hebrew in the nation of Israel. So he sees the oppression, the difficulty, he actually strikes down and kills an Egyptian. Uh, people recognize this, and he flees. I'm out of here. Finds his wife, starts a new life elsewhere. But can you remember that first time you took that first step? That first step that set into motion the rest of your story. One little step. So God calls him back. He's out tending to his flock, and God wants... God saw exactly where he was at, and he wanted to use them. He calls him back, and Moses, Moses just, he fails to see how he's qualified to do the work of God. God continues to show and to build him up, so eventually Moses goes back. He goes back to Pharaoh and asks, let my people go. Pharaoh says, the people that are under my control, that are in slavery now, the work that you're doing now, oh, all that work, you got to do twice the amount in half the time where your lives are on the line. Thanks, Moses. You're dismissed. So Moses keeps coming back, keep coming back. A series of 10 plagues happen from uh, turning the river into blood to flies and gnats and frogs and all this. Stuff. Now, I'll, I'll make this known. If, if you have boys, having frogs everywhere seems to be a great idea until you need to shovel them off your walk to get out of your house, then at that point, frogs are not, not uh, very good for any boy, especially dead frogs, because they're going to find them and they're going to love them anyway. But there's all these other uh, plagues going on, that the, the, the killing of livestock, there's the, the, the result of Pharaoh saying no, that the Egyptians got boils all over their bodies. They obliterated the land with hail and locusts, and it all was culminated to the result of Pharaoh saying no, being the death of every firstborn in Egyptian family. Now, God was there to provide for His nation, for His people. By, he told the, he told the, the Israelites, I want you to take a, a lamb. I want you to sacrifice it. I want you to take a, a perfect lamb. I want you to take some of its blood and spread it on your doorpost. 
And when this plague happens, that my presence is going to pass over your household and spare your life and keep your lineage and not have any firstborn in your household die. So as they are sitting there still in their homes, they could hear the crying and the wailing across Egypt, remembering that they were spared. So having it enough, Pharaoh says, he's, he's finally got it after the 10th time, the 10th plague. He says, go, I've had enough, get out, you're out of here. So Moses packs up, takes two to three million, it's estimated, uh, uh, Hebrews with him. They're, they're trying to flee, and God's with them the entire way as a pillar of cloud by day to guide them, and a pillar of fire at night so they can continuously get away from and be rescued from their past. So they get to the point, and this is all also culminated by reaching an obstacle in their way, which was the Red Sea. So on one side they have the Red Sea, and in the meantime, Pharaoh changes his mind and says, go get them. So he sends his armies, he sends his chariots, he sends his generals, and as they're chasing Israel, on one side you have the army chasing them, on the other side you have this obstacle that God's people have no idea where to go. And in Exodus 14, the Israelites are standing there next to the sea. As Pharaoh approached in verse 10, 14 verse 10, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. They were stuck. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm, and you'll see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians will see you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Obstacle on one side. And the thunder and the roar and the trembling of a pursuing nation to take them back to oppression and slavery. But can you remember that time in your life when the right thing to do was to be still? Be still and let God work. Be still and remember Every tool you have, you have at your disposal with God on your side. Now, we can want it back to normal or, the, or back to the way it used to be, but God doesn't want, he doesn't want you or me to live there. He doesn't want your attention to stay there. He wants you to remember, but to dwell with Him, to focus on Him to pursue Him. Because if we're caught up in our immediate surroundings, it doesn't let you see how far you are. It doesn't let you see how far you've come. 
because you're closer to the end than you think. You're closer to crossing that insurmountable obstacle like the Red Sea. You're closer to getting to the other side of that parted sea. So as God worked at the Red Sea, He did part the sea. The Israelites passed through, the Egyptians chased right after them, and as the, as the Israelites left that sea, the waters crashed, and God delivered His people. And if we can ask Moses, when did this all change for you? How did you get here? Where, where did this all start? He could say, I, I remember a day I took a step out of the palace. I took a step to leave my identity behind for identity with God and to be with His people. But also a better way to ask that question is, who made it all start? Who changed it for you? The way God works, any, any story that you can remember, any story that you can remember can easily be dwarfed by the work of God in that story. Or that'll be exactly what you, what you remember or what you identify as that story, less so to what your power is. But Israel, Israel's history is plagued with this reminder to remember. Because they kept forgetting, they kept walking away from God. It's documented all throughout the Old Testament that the nation did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And then God raised up a leader either to give them exactly what they want, to lead that evil, or to lead God's people out of that evil. And then they would prosper once they were rescued. Then they would return back that the nation would do evil in the eyes of the Lord because they kept forgetting. They, for, they, they forgot to remember. Now, I can remember my, state, my mistakes. I can remember them. The painful ones. But I could also focus my effort to move forward. To live as a forgiven child, a child of God, and to allow transformation. To give thanks to the author of the one who's writing my story. Now, multiple authors laid out the account of Israel's exodus from, from Egypt and that constant call to remember God's work for the nation of Israel. And that continues through the Old Testament into the New Testament, references and summaries of, 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 of that exact same story of how God delivered His people and He provided His promise to give them a land to live and to prosper. And there's stories of redemption and restoration and healing, especially when God stepped down as a human. He stepped down as a man, as Jesus Christ on this earth, to fulfill His promise to rescue all people. It's easy to remember, too, a lot of those gospel stories, if you read through the gospels, uh, when Jesus was bringing people back to life, when He was healing people, when He was making people walk. And he passed that same ability, that same power onto his disciples as he ascended back into heaven after his, after his death and he, and he went back into heaven. 
Now, there's an immediate transformation story in Acts 3 that we could take a look at where the onlookers, they remembered this, this, this lame beggar, this guy that couldn't stand for himself as the guy who just sat there begging instead of the guy that's jumping and screaming and hollering and praising God for the work that was done in his life. So let's take a look at that in Acts 3. Acts 3, one. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and, honest, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. Now, Peter and John, this same temple that was built for the worship and the remembrance of, of, of God and the presence of God, they were walking into the temple and taking that step, step into the temple to pray. They didn't now, at, at this time, they didn't, they didn't look at following Jesus as a new religion. They looked at it as a continuance and a fulfillment of God's promise and they were there to worship God and institute and to give that good news to, to, to the people of Israel that it's been fulfilled. We have this man, Jesus. Now, the beggar had a prime spot for the Jews to see him as they're walking in the temple. Now, they had a responsibility to be able to provide for the poor to provide for the people who could not provide for themselves. So, that, so he was sitting there, and it says that uh, Peter and John, as they were approaching, he saw them, but he was sitting there asking and asking, and they said, look at us. He wasn't even looking. He was just sitting there asking. I can imply, too, that he had a feeling of, of having a life, of not being able to walk, that he probably took the approach that I've lost. I'm defeated. The best I can feel and the best I feel right now is staying curled up right here. I've been there. I've been there on a, on a day when the last thing I want to do is, is change. The last thing I want to do is, is, is get out of bed. The best I feel, and, the, and, I, and I feel best being able to just lay right here in this bed. Why do I need to face any of this stuff? But he was still doing the one thing he can do. And he was immediately changed. He was asking. He was hoping just for, just for his needs to be provided for. As it was, as it was done his entire life. And now he's given this new life reached out, 
And Peter says to him, I don't think what I have is what you're asking for. I don't have what you think you need. I have something better. And he says to him, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. So the power that was given to Peter, the power of God healed this man. So he gets up, he's walking, he's jumping. He's like, I, I, I can't believe this, but I, I believe it, but I don't believe it. And he's, and he's carrying on. And then everyone around him was thinking and they were saying, it's like, no, wait, isn't that the guy that used to be carried in here every day? Isn't that the guy that had the life of sitting there begging for what he needed? Isn't this the guy who had the life of just making it work, just getting his needs met, a life of not getting ahead, and sitting there, that beggar, doing the only thing that he could do. He was sitting there closer to God's work in his life than he thought. Now, facing this insurmountable obstacle of not being able to move, not being able to walk, the same is true as it was for the Israelites meeting the Red Sea as it was for this beggar facing this day in and day out. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Now we could take a, a look at two chain stories here. Not only this beggar who had a life-altering, immediate change in his life. that We could take a look at Peter Hold on a second, Peter. If you've read through and you know a little bit about Peter, is, isn't this the guy that watched Jesus do the healing? Isn't this the guy that jumped out of the boat, started sinking because his faith was failing him until God pulled him up? Isn't this the one, isn't he the one that cut the ear off of the guard? while they're capturing Jesus to go crucify him and gets reprimanded by Jesus, that he was stepping out doing, doing the work in his own power. Isn't this the guy who denied Jesus after he was captured, when he was tortured? But I also remember the Peter that led 3,000 people to be believers at Pentecost. And the life change culminated to a point for this lame beggar when Peter stepped into the temple. If you don't see change in your life, or maybe, maybe you're not seeing instant change, but upon choosing Jesus as your Savior, the rest of your life is set out to choose Him, to follow His example, to be more like Him. Not because you have to, because you get to. That's an opportunity that you have every tool that you need to approach this life given to you by God. Now, prior to Christ, you may have lived in ignorance or you didn't know what was right and wrong based on God's standard. And it's not a set of rules to follow because you're, 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 you're to, to 
get hit over the head by these rules, to get hammered by these rules, but it's rules for the glory and the honor of God and for the benefit of your life to be able to be a, a believer in Jesus, to be a follower of Jesus. But if you've been ignorant to the right and wrong based on God's standard, Jesus also said while he's dying on the cross for all of us, forgive them, forgive them, Father, for they don't know what they're doing. Now here as a body of believers in this church, that you could come as you are. No one is perfect. No one is perfect. You could come exactly how you are, but don't, change, but don't stay that way. Don't stay that way because God has a plan for your story to be much, much better. Now, Peter was there at the Last Supper with Jesus, celebrating and remembering how the Israelites were rescued during the Passover feast based on that last plague of the death of the firstborn. Celebrating and remembering how God delivered the Egyptians from slavery, from oppression, and giving them liberty and giving them life and prosperity in, into the promised land. And you and I get to remember what Jesus did for us with his life, with his death, and his resurrection. The beginning of Philippians, the author writes, I always pray with joy because, I always pray with joy because Joy's my wife, she's the volleyball player. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. So where do we start? Why, why are we remembering? It's not, to, it's not that we want to make that mistake again, but we get to learn from that. We get to teach others. We get to focus our effort. We, need, we get to see transformation. We get to see how far we've come. We get to give thanks to those that helped. We get to give, give thanks to the, to the God that set this into motion. We get to laugh. We get to keep our focus, and we get to move forward. But where do we start? Start with the perfect love of the Father, that He delivered His people, and He wants to deliver you. We also have the sacrifice and the gift of Jesus Christ for forgiveness in our life. We have the power, the direction, the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life to always be with us. God is always with us. He is our pillar. You're closer than you think to being redeemed, to being set apart than you think because you have every tool you need because God's on your side. And you're further along than you think to being more like Christ and the sea change in your life, one step at a time to build your story, to build your legacy. Remembering your past, giving credit to the author who sets it into motion. And that invitation to be a follower of Jesus is always extended to you. It's been extended to me because God is closer than you think. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your invitation to be part of your family. Thank you for your promise to deliver. Because that's your characteristic. That is your character. That you love us. You will love us. And you've pr provided that mechanism 
to be able to dwell with you forever. Now, if there, there are those here that don't have that invitation, have not accepted that invitation, all they have to do is say, God, I want that. I see that I've been wrong in my life. I see, the, I see your right and wrong, and I want to obey it because I want to be faithful to you. I want to accept your forgiveness through your son Jesus, his life and death on the cross, that he's paid for that. And God, help us to take our next step. Take that one step to complete our story, to continue our story to a great and victorious ending. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.